Spring turkey season is upon us, and don't be caught out in the woods without having Onyx Hunt on your phone. One feature Onyx has that is often overlooked for turkey hunting is their recent imagery filter with their elite memberships. This imagery is updated week to week, and it comes in extremely handy, especially when you're trying to find these gobble zones where these turkeys will go out in a high spot on a fresh clear cut and strut around all day long. Actually, I was just looking at on Onyx where, where the timber company just came into Andrew's club and did a very small clear cut along this creek, and I can see the high spots on the topographical map, but also I can see exactly where they mulch, and those are going to be hot spots for finding gobblers, especially mid-morning after they get off their hens, getting up on these little high spots in this fresh, small clear cut along the creek and strutting and gobbling all day long. If you want to give Onyx a try, you can actually download it for free, try it for seven days, and if you decide to purchase, you can use the promo code SOUTHERN and save on your premium and elite memberships. So go into this turkey season, know where you stand with Onyx. Well, guys, we have some exciting news for you from Vortex about their brand new eyewear, their Banshee and Jackal sunglasses. Me and Andrew have had these for a few weeks now, right before the release, and we've been extremely impressed. They're awesome glasses, guys. And listen, if you're needing some new sunglasses, not only do they have the VIP warranty, but they're tough as crap, guys. Uh, Scratch-resistant eyewear, uh, it's extremely important. And also, they have safety features as well. So when you're out shooting at the range, again, these are rated glasses, so you are going to be more than protected when you're at the range. But they also look fantastic when you're out around town. So right now, Vortex has some special pricing on their website, which is vortexoptics.com for the new eyewear. But also, if you use the code SOUTHERN20, you get to save even more on this special pricing for right now at vortexoptics.com. Again, check out the new eyewear from vortexoptics.com and use the promo code SOUTHERN20 to save on their brand new eyewear. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Southern Outdoorsman Podcast. This week, we got something a little bit different for you. Uh, we actually, back at ATA in January, we ran across this company who was putting together this uh, trail cam and AI thing that we thought was really, really cool. 
and it's called Wise Eye, um, and we have got them on to talk about it because I think it's something that uh, our listeners might find interesting and useful. Uh, Harold, how are you doing? Doing wonderful. Thanks for having us today. Yeah, absolutely. Daryl, how are you? I'm doing fine. Thank you. All right, Jacob, how are you doing over yeah, there? Doing well. I'm doing well. I'm super hunter. Yeah, I'm super excited to have this conversation. Of course, Harold, ATA, we kind of got into the nitty-gritty on what makes you guys different uh, from uh, just other offerings that are being out there in the, the camera world. But I know one thing that y'all really strive upon, which we're going to get into this in the conversation, is more of the AI slash um, uh, software side of everything that y'all really kind of developed to make y'all stand out amongst, uh, you know, other competitors in the industry. But before we get into the nitty gritty on what is WiseEye, can y'all talk about y'all's background a little bit? Like before WiseEye, what is y'all's kind of uh, career background and how did WiseEye come about uh, in kind of putting your team together in order to develop the software and AI that y'all been doing? Yeah, this is Daryl. Uh, um, I'll, I'll take I'll take the lead on this one to uh, start, start the conversation. Uh, we've come from uh, different backgrounds. Uh, I actually worked in the uh, at a plant here in the chemical industry for uh, nearly 30 years and retired, and uh, and that's my background. And um, my brother worked in the computer uh, industry for many years. He still does it now. And, uh, Jason, he's not here. He actually has a he actually has a degree in. Uh, uh, New Testament, New Testament theology or yeah. something, and, and he's the one that uh, is the smartest guy of the group. So um, we we come from some uh, three different backgrounds, but what we do have is common is is we're hunters, uh, we're outdoorsmen, we're from Louisiana, and uh, we love the outdoors and we love to hunt, and uh, so we've hunted all our lives, and um, that's how we got into this journey by, uh, you know, wanting to uh, better the industry, to make it better so you can track animals, uh, so you can predict animals' movement and increase your uh, chances of killing a deer or any animal, as far as that goes, not just deer. So that's kind of our background there. Um, we could go a lot deeper into the subject if uh, if y'all would like. Um, with time constraints, that's uh, that's scraping scraping off the top there. Yeah, so I wanted to go ahead and just talk about uh, when we came by the booth. Y'all had a lot of trail cameras there, and I think that's one of the initial things that caught our attention was you you have cell cameras, and then you you got all that AI built on top of it. Um, can you talk about your uh, just how the product as a whole works from the, the trail camera aspect and then moving into the AI and how it's all kind of integrated together? Well, sure. Well, we, we started, we started the, the whole thing. This is Harold. This, the whole thing that we were really concentrating on was data. And when we started, actually, we started this, this journey, believe it, in 2010. So this is not something that, Started the last couple of years, we've been we've been doing this um, for quite a while, and it, and it all balled down from um, uh, kind of a bet that you could not feed an animal of a specific species, um, and so that's what we started. We said, yeah, you could, 
And so we started trying to figure out how to identify an animal. And um, that, uh, that was uh, quite a, you can imagine in 2010, we still had flip phones back then. So we were, we were way out there trying to, how could we predict that there would be an animal at a feeder um, uh, that I want to feed or an animal that I do not want to feed. So that's where we started all this. So gathering data was the main thing. Who is it? Why is it there? When is it coming back? And so we, we worked on that with feeders for a while. And then um, uh, we started in the cam camera industry. We took that same data software that we built around the feeders to see if we could track an animal uh, and try to put it in a trail camera. And some of the challenges we had was, was the trail cameras that were out there would not give us a clear enough picture that I could gather data from that picture. It was too pixelated. I couldn't tell if it was a coon or a hog. I couldn't tell you if it was a buck, if it had horns, or it was a doe. I, I just, it, I could see it might be a deer, but the picture was not clear enough. So our first, our first big hurdle was: could we find the camera that could deliver a picture clear enough, with enough speed, that I could pull that data? So we did talk with all the manufacturers out there. They contacted us because they heard of hunt control. They reached out to us, and we would sit down with them, and we're talking about all the major cameras out there. We're not going to get into names, but um, we just told them, if you want to use hunt control, you have to build a better camera. And uh, we were told several times, no, we're not going to build a better camera. You need to build better software. And uh, I think it came down to they didn't understand how AI works and how it's supposed to work. And so we, we fought some battles for a couple of years, and I said, fine, I'll go build my own camera. And, and we had three or four of those guys look at us and tell us that we were being stupid. And we said, well, we're from Louisiana. We have been called worse by better people. And so we went out and built a wise eye camera that would deliver the data that we need to be able to predict movement of animals is that did that clear it up or did i just really confuse you absolutely no it's it, it seems that again the the basis of this data is having quality high quality enough images that the software and the ai itself can dictate um truly what's being imaged or taken photo of uh so again that, that makes a lot of sense about, about your background and also i, I forgot that Y'all have been doing this for so long. I mean, been again, kind of starting some of this uh, development back in 2010, but just now really kind of hitting the market, you know, and starting to kind of build up, of course, inventory and everything else. But, um, you know, that's kind of interesting, though, that that was the reason why developing, y'all had to focus on developing your own cameras versus trying to partner up with a uh, an existing manufacturer. Yeah, and what, what some of the things that we did, we were, we were, we had a great attorney that came to us when we first started down this road because we we didn't know if it would work. We uh, we prayed about it and said, well, let's go try it. And we spent a lot of money and time at it. And we had a friend of ours who's a, a patent attorney came to us and says, hey, have you got a patent for this stuff? And we said, well, you know, first of all, what is a patent? Uh, and what does it protect us? And so um, 
we spent four or five years just getting the patents behind this. So we do own the patents behind this data and this prediction. So, um, so we've zeroed in on the data. That's what we use trail cameras for anyway. What, what, do, we, what do you use a trail camera for? You want to know when the deer's going to be there, what's there, um, and uh, you pour corn out to try to entice him to come on a particular time. And so you're doing that already. The challenge is, is that you're having to create your own mental pictures of what's going on to where when you start putting it on uh, in some type of data form in some type of uh, flat, what we call a flat file where we can sort and see what's going on. Now you're starting to put weather information with it. And you're starting to put moon phases and wind directions and stuff. Now we can really start to see how and what affects deer movement in your area, not across the country, in your area. So um, deer that we find, because we can see this, we can see deer that move in Texas doesn't necessarily move the way deer move in Mississippi. Or deer in Alabama don't necessarily move the way they do in Florida. So you can't roll everything up. You need the data in your specific area to be able to predict how deer move. And that's why we built this system. And this ties in perfectly with the series, which by the time this drops, the series that we just finished up, we're, we, we just did a series on uh, trail cameras and a fellow here in Alabama who ran 170 cameras on 800 acres of public land and he was running them on scrapes and trails and all kinds of stuff. And he was doing basically what you're talking about uh, your software does, but he's, I guess, doing it like with bare hands, I guess, for lack of a better term. He, he's putting weather stations up above his trail cameras. Uh, he's, he's going through and he's looking at all that data and it's just all in his head. And uh, basically, to kind of put it in a nutshell, what you guys have made is kind of taking that process that, that the listeners have heard over the last two weeks and putting it in a software that essentially does it for you, uh, where you're dropping that stuff in there and it, it's pulling your weather data and, and all that other stuff and building predictions and stuff like, oh, this buck right here likes to come to this area on these kinds of days with this kind of wind and, and stuff like that. Kind of, I, I guess, getting into the nitty gritty of it. Um, can you explain how the AI actually works? I mean, what is it actually doing in the picture? Like how it is identifying individual bucks or, or animals and, and just kind of the functionality of it? Sure. Yeah. Well, it's something that we built on, um, because what was out there, what's still out there is not as accurate. It needs to be. Uh, in fact, we're working on it right now, the next generation. Uh, Daryl and I have been in the office all day working on the next generation of AI that will be coming out probably within the next uh, six weeks or so, which would be probably the most accurate um, anywhere. And so to kind of give it in a nutshell, we to do a white-tailed deer, um, you, facial recognition, you hear people say, uh, oh, it's some type of facial recognition. Well, I've yet to seen a trail camera have a deer look at it the same way every time so I can figure him out. So facial recognition doesn't work very well. So what we had to do is go in and build a chart of probability. In other words, we know uh, the ratio of the length of the deer versus the length of the legs. Um, 
the length of the neck versus the ratio of the length of the ears, the width of the eyes. Um, so when you put all that together, so we have about 80 characteristics that we look at for a white-tailed deer. And so once we start these calculations, we take a picture, and it could have weeds, it could have trees, it could have whatever in it. And then we scan the picture and we throw away things we pretty much know. We know what a tree is. We throw it away and we throw away the leaves and we throw away the weeds. And what's left? And then we run calculations on, is there anything here that would have a leg length in the ratio of the body length um, uh, that would, would uh, fit a white-tailed deer? Or would it fit a hog? Would it fit a uh, bear? How about, will it fit a coon? Or will it fit a, a cow? You know, so this ratio is there. So it, it, it looks for these 80 different characteristics of the animal. It says, okay, based on what we see, there's a 95% chance this is a white-tailed deer. And so uh, we'll say, okay, well, then this, we will move that picture and show you that you have a deer in your picture. And this happens in milliseconds from the time the picture is taken to the time you hit your dings on your phone. Uh, you're talking uh, when it hits the cloud, it's, it's, it's less than a, probably a second from the time it leaves that camera. Then it hits the, uh, it hits your phone. It's probably less than two seconds probably telling you the deer standing there in front of your camera. And then you also, you, you've even built it into where that software can not only identify if it's a deer, but identify a specific deer that are in front of it? Well, what, it, not yet. Um, we're still, we're, there's a problem with, with white-tailed deer. Their horns grow too fast. Um, so a, a deer that we identify, let's say we call him the alpha, the alpha buck in October or September. It's not the same alpha buck in October to a computer. You follow me? Oh, yeah. Because his horns are completely different. And so his, or his antlers are constantly moving and uh, they're fighting and what have you. Now, what we do for you is pull up and say, here's the buck in front of your camera. And there's tags that you can tag them. We show you, here's, this is a big buck here. And his head may be halfway behind a tree. And I can't tell you who he is, but I can pull him up and say, here's the buck. It, it, here's some tags here. It may be your alpha here. So once you tell me that, we will try to follow alpha through this data. Okay? But you have to help me some um, to do this. But once you start that routine, then the, the software, the, the predict the buck is what we call it, starts compiling all this data. Why was he here? When was he here? Was there hogs here before he got here? How long, if there were hogs here, how long did he wait before he come? How about if we saw a person walk across the food plot? How much longer did he wait before he walked out of the food plot? So all this stuff gets calculated once you help me to identify who you're after that alpha male. And all this data now gets compiled, and this is what the predictions are focused. That makes sense. No, that makes perfect sense. Uh, one thing I'm interested in is I know you take weather data uh, and, and look at that. 
Uh, how do you guys get your weather data for your trail cameras? What's it based off of? So it's based on uh, the uh, calculations from NOAA, which is the, uh, the National uh, Atmospheric Association. Um, the cameras, if you're running a dual camera, one of our big wide eyes, the, the GPS coordinate system is automatically built into it. So when you turn it on, it knows where it's at in the world. And as soon as it takes a picture, it makes a call to the weather channel. We call it the weather channel. So it calls the weather channel. It says, what's going on at this particular second, right where I'm standing? And it sends um, all that data to um, hunt control along with the picture. It says, here's the picture, and here's everything we know about the atmospheric and lunar um, situation when this picture was taken. Um, uh, and that's where we start what we call forming the data. We actually start um, going through, and is there, is there any correlation? What's the same? Does, does west wind have the deer showing up more than the east wind? Um, so this is where we start uh, really start to uh, narrow down his movement and uh, and that's coming from the weather data. So as soon as the picture's taken, we, we do make a phone call to the weather channel and pull pull the information. So we don't really pull it off the camera because the cameras can be camera data is a little sketchy. Um, uh, we we've done some tests. They can be anywhere from they can actually be 15 to 20 degrees off temperature wise uh, of the camera itself. And so we actually abandoned that idea when we found out that the, the fluctuation of a a cell camera uh, is uh, is too much of a variance for the accuracy that we're looking for. Now, I'll, just for clarification, guys, can, can y'all explain just real quick early in this conversation the differences between hunt control and predict a buck and, and what those two different uh, – I know they both go together, but, like, what is the differences between those two systems? Because we've talked about uh, – or you mentioned the, the term, or, or again, y'all's AI and software, hunt control – and also talking about predictable. Can you just explain the differences for the listeners for us? Well, sure. I'll do this real quick. Um, hunt control is the is the master AI system that we have. In other words, we we actually use it. We have sheriff's departments that use it to, to for people and uh, tracking cars. And um, so so the AI in hunt control is is the, is the big machine that runs it, okay? Uh, predictive buck is the, um, um, where it sorts the pictures for the, well, let me back up. Hunt control sorts the pictures, okay? Because that's where the AI is at. Hunt control sorts the pictures. And then when you want to do prediction on deer, we have a subset of that, which is called predictive buck. Then it says, okay, here's all the deer pictures. Here's all the data, form this data, and we ask the user, how do you want to see it? Do you want to see how the deer moves uh, with the wind? Or do you want to see how lunar phases affects your deer? Um, and we call that predictive buck. It's, it's actually taking the big sort, the million pictures you may have, and just takes all that information and brings it down to just to deer. And that allows you to be very particular about, do you want to see just how the deer move? How does the bucks move? 
How does the forecast of the weather affect the deer? I want to I want to forecast out there next weekend. I, do I want to go hunting next weekend? I want to look back and see the hard data that hunt control has. And through the filter, predict the buck, basically. I have all the forecasts and predictions I need of hard data that you have collected from your camera. And see, I'm on y'all's website right now looking at hunt control, which is really fascinating. Again, this is a resource of kind of how y'all broken this down also on the website, just for, you know, simplistic reasons and for people to understand uh, before we kind of get into even more details, especially about predictive buck and, and some of these different factors that make you guys kind of special and stand out, you know, among the, the crowd of other camera companies. But also when it comes to hunt control um, and, you know, we're talking specifically about deer, but can it be used? Can you do certain tags for different species? So say like if it was a bear hunter and he was had a uh, bait sites out uh, and he was trying to, you know, bears, of course, don't have antlers, but maybe based off size, he can try to stick with a specific deer or a specific bear. Is that something that could create a tag? Can you do tags for other species of wildlife and game species? Or is pretty much, you know, whitetails the sole focus of uh, what y'all are focusing on right now? No, there's a, there's a we call it the other category. Um, if you want to track um, uh, a bear, you can take the bear and you can call him, you know, um, Ralph. Here's Ralph. And so I want to predict how Ralph moves. So um, you can use the, the hunt control data to predict whatever animal you want to use. Right now we have built into the system turkey, hogs. Um, we have a lot of people, we actually a lot of people up north actually, believe it or not, use um, the hog category to track their bears. They would call the, they would tell the, they would tell hunt control that I want, I want the bears to be in the hog category. So they would just say, give me the prediction of hogs. And then they would be actually predicting their bears. So it's up to you. It's, it's that wide open. You can um, predict and, and uh, tag any animal you want. Uh, that you would like. We actually are now working on bears in this new prediction that we have, that bears will have their own category along with foxes and coyotes. And uh, 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 we're actually going to call it predators. Mm -hmm. Vehicles, if you got an ATV goes by your camera, would you like to know that somebody just drove by your camera? Uh, you know, within seconds you have a picture of, here's your ATV, the guy who just walked past your camera. Uh, and people, so we're adding all these different categories. But yeah, you could. There's a thing called other that you can actually tag these animals and say, "Show me how they're moving." Now, let me ask you all this: When it comes to notifications, of course, anyone that has cell cameras is used to notifications hitting their phone. Oh, you've got you know new images or you know whatever is popping up. But when it comes to notifications from you guys and y'all's AI and software. Can those notifications be customized, whether it's for a specific buck that you have a tag on uh, that, again, could give you like, you know, most likely, you know, it's going to show an image or something or a message. Uh, they potentially have a, a photo of stickers or whatever, whatever you want to call them, alpha buck, whatever we're going to call that deer for uh, time being. Or or if you get a picture of a person, uh, any kind of warning notifications or anything like that. Do you all have anything currently set up uh, in that functionality when it comes to the notifications from uh, the camera? Yeah, currently uh, you, you can choose between turkey, 
hog, uh, deer, or antler deer currently, um, what you want notifications on. And uh, so that's what would appear on your phone um, or an email if you want to get it by email, is it will notify you of those categories that you pick. Or if you just want to see everything, you just click them all and you'll get every notification. And uh, we're right now, we're uh, like uh, Harold said before, we're adding predators, vehicles, people, and we're growing this, uh, growing it bigger and bigger and bigger. And it just takes a lot of time to do this. But right now, we do have turkey, hog, antler, deer, and deer currently. So we can let you know if there's a buck there or just a few. And I'm glad we brought that up because uh, I know, Harold, when we were at ATA, we talked about this, and I think you had told us, you know, some of the behind the scenes of what was going to be coming out, which I know you had mentioned, you know, talking about people, predators, but also about the vehicles and how you can set up notifications for those specifically, uh, which for, you know, a guy that hunts private land, especially the vehicles and people notifications, I think would be very valuable, especially if you're dealing with any kind of trespassers uh, or anything like that, where you get an automatic notification that, hey, you know, I've got a person on a trail camera when it's probably somebody I don't know, pull it up, look at it and be able to, uh, you know, figure out what needs to be done. So uh, from a a private land individual, I really like that. And even a guy that might be running one of these cameras on, on public land too, like a lot of stuff that we hunt on, uh, I'm not going to lie. It'd be nice to know if for some reason a guy walks by your camera, you get a notification for it um, that, you know, you just had somebody, you know, come through that area or look at your camera or whatever. Um, so that's that's interesting, especially with the new uh, kind of update that's going to be coming out, like y'all had talked about uh, with the AI and the software and everything for hunt control. Uh, that seems like it's going to be extremely exciting. Uh, also, one other aspect I really want to talk about while, while we're having this conversation about hunt control is, uh, how hunt control sorts out your images. Um, you know, when, when it's taking all these images, do they all go in one file or can you talk a little bit about, you know, once you start building these tags, how, you know, hunt control could kind of, you know, separate or, or uh, distribute these images into the correct tags or correct files uh, per se on the actual software on your computer. Yeah, the, the hunt control side is, um, is, is, the software program that's in the Amazon cloud, and that's just there. So every picture that comes in, uh, we get an average of 50, 60,000 pictures a day that come in. Um, uh, it knows what account the picture's in, and it makes a flat file. So at any time that that you want to say, I want to see this picture in the data, it pulls that picture just for you and then hands you that data. And this has happened in milliseconds. So. Uh, we, we've done very well and been very happy with the, with the speed of the system that we have. And it's been set up to where this particular uh, system that we have and built can handle up to 3 million pictures a day. So we're, we're not there by a long shot, but we're, we're you know, 50,000 pictures a day is a lot of pictures coming. So uh, it doesn't slow the system down. So as soon as the picture's taken and you want to see it, it's there. It will send you an email. Um, it will embed it in the email for you. If it, you want to use it as uh, an app on your phone, you just touch the app, and then there's the picture and all the data behind it. So the punt control uh, is uh, what's running. So what happens, uh, let me back up here because you asked how it's sorted. When the picture, as soon as the picture hits the account, or 
let's say that your picture and you're in the woods, uh, your camera's in that public land, and somebody walks past that camera. It takes the picture. Instantly, that picture is sent. It, it doesn't hold that picture on the card and send it later. The picture's gone. Okay? So by the time a guy realizes his picture's taken, um, it's already gone. And uh, uh, you see. And so it hits hunt control. Hunt control has these algorithms. It says, what is it? Remember we were talking about, we throw out the trees, the birds, and all this stuff, and then what's left? Well, there's a human left, okay? This human was taken in front of this camera. We know this camera belongs to Southern Outdoors. And so that picture is sent to Southern Outdoors immediately. It says, here. Here's a person. Because we have sorted it out and handed it to you in less than, I think, I think the time is less than two seconds. From the time we have it to the time you have it is two seconds. Of them, there's a person standing in front of your camera. Uh, is, is, that, does that make sense? It's, yeah. sorted, it's actually sorted in the cloud before it's handed to you. So it's not handed to you and then sorted. We, are, we do that before you get the package because you may want your app to notify you only when people show up. Because on the app, you can actually set, I only want to see, I only want to be notified when a deer shows up. Or I only want to email when a turkey shows up. So um, so you don't get 100 emails at night while you're trying to sleep and your phone's going berserk because you have three coons in front of the feeder. Because um, uh, I've, I've been there. <laughs> so, um, so we sort the picture. If you don't want to see a raccoon, we don't tell you the coons are there. Uh, you'll see them later. Yeah, and see, I, I like that. I like how you can kind of adjust what you're getting notifications on because, you know, especially if you only want notifications of, say, antlered bucks, I don't really care about the doe images. And it's like, okay, that's, that keeps it where you can kind of organize it on, on your phone and also on the computer and everything so you're only getting notifications on really what you want to see. It's still all the images are coming across, but you're only getting notified like, hey, when the antlered buck's, you know, showing up or... Yeah, if someone shows up and there's a human on camera, um, or like with your right. new update, say you wanted to be notified when a predator shows up, like you, you can get those notifications, but you don't have to get every single notification from every single image, especially the images that aren't of what you're looking for, especially if you're looking for exclusively, say, like an antler buck. Yeah, if I'm, if I'm tracking an antler buck, I would like to know if one showed up. It may be a new one. It may be a better one than the one I thought. So I would like to know he's there. Uh, we've got lots of examples of, of people last year that wrote testimonies that hunt control was the reason they were able to kill the massive buck. It's because we were able to throw away the garbage of all the pictures and concentrate on these 50 pictures of, of the alpha male coming through there. Um, he's wise. He's He's very cautious, and if we know what he's comfortable with, we have a better chance of harvesting that deer. Um, we had one guy last year swore to us that the bucks on his food plot on the west wind would never show up. Well, guess what he killed his largest buck he's ever killed with on a west wind because hunt control told him, this deer only shows up on a west wind. He was going to argue with us the whole time that the bucks only show up on the east wind. But um, 
we made a believer out of him last year when we showed him the data of the deer he was after. When the deer was in the food plot, it was on the west wind. And uh, uh, through his his many years of hunting, 50 years of hunting, he told me, uh, uh, that was the first time that he had ever seen data change his mind on when to hunt. And uh, it was very successful. We were very happy for him. And, and because when, when he first told us that we were wrong, I went, I don't know how, because we don't, we don't change data. It's just what it is. And uh, sure enough, uh, he called us back several days later and said uh, he just killed the biggest deer he's ever killed on a west wind in the food. And so we were, uh, we were very, very happy for him. When you think turkey calls... Think of Houndstooth. Houndstooth Game Calls is a company based right here in Alabama, actually based out of Tuscaloosa, and they have been making some of our favorite turkey calls since 2012. Y'all head on over to their website, see what they got. They got a little something for everybody. They have a huge selection of different mouth calls, different cuts, different read configurations. I like to go on there and get five or six different mouth calls and just run them, see which ones I like the most. You know, some days I might like the KB Hen, some days I might like the Ghost Cut. Some situations I might like the Country Girl Call, you know, that I can cut on really hard, where on other situations I might like the All Pro that I can get a little bit softer on. Bottom line, there's something for everybody and something for every situation. And hey, you can get 15% off of your order at Houndstooth Game Calls by using the promo code SOP24. That's SOP24. Use that promo code. It'll get you a discount and it helps out the podcast. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When we're speaking with Harold, and Harold at ATA, you give us a couple different examples of some of these guys. I know you're working with a few uh, large landowners and, and ranch owners in Texas uh, for some of the testing and, and just also just, you know, some of the uh, your, your bigger customers are, of course, down there that have a ton of cameras. Uh, and I know you were talking about a specific deer. I believe it was like a 20, it was like a, a 20 point typical or something. It was a massive deer. And it was, a, it might have been the same one you just uh, had given this example on. Oh, no, that, that yeah, that, that, that's a different beast. He's a, a uh, I think uh, it's a 24 point typical. He's, he's a, he's a beast. And this particular deer that they were, um, and it's a very large property. So they actually jumped this deer a couple months before hunting season. He disappeared for like four months. They didn't see him anymore. So when he started showing back up, um, they completely stayed away from the area. I mean, they never even went in there to put food anymore. They just backed away completely because he was about six and a half years old. He was very wise, very massive animal, just absolutely beautiful animal. And, um, they were able to, over about a six weeks time, figure out exactly what made him move and were able to use the predictive buck to harvest him. And they've been after him for two years, but they used the predictive buck to know exactly what conditions he would show up in. And I think I remember, I think I showed you the chart that this deer didn't even like, didn't even come out in full moon. I think I might have showed you that the animal so much 
he wouldn't even come out on a full moon because they think later, earlier on in life he was attacked by an animal, uh, a cat or something, and uh, he would not even come out on full moon, um, which was really strange. You hear deer move full moon. This deer did not. They were able to concentrate on that and go in there on one afternoon taking because they knew everything had lined up and predict buck had told them this is when he's coming back because he's been here eight times before in the exact same time, the exact same condition. And it had lined up. They got ready three days. We predicted three days before they would go in that everything would be lined up and they went in and was able to take him. Um, and uh, it was a very great successful. So on some of these activity charts, um, I noticed that it says you can get Activity charts based off of uh, temperature, wind direction, wind speed, moon phase, and barometric pressure. Out of curiosity, have you guys or any of the people testing your product uh, noticed like any of those being more significant than the others? Like, it, like, is it always wind direction where people are like, oh, yeah, he was coming in on this wind and that's how I killed him? Or are there other things that are playing a factor where they're like, oh, man, when the barometric pressure is this, that's when I'm really getting activity? It's it's really different for everybody. Uh, it's it's really it it, it is. It's, in fact, predictive buck is is actually set up for you. If if in your mind you think that you want to follow a deer based off of moon phase, then you just do the predictive buck based off of moon phase. Or if you're a wind guy, then you just do wind. Um, so it's really, we have found it's really different with everybody. You know, uh, you have different hunters that, that just, you know, they, they just hunt barometric pressure. So they'll use the predictive buck with the barometric pressure just to see how he moves and, and wait for that barometric pressure to be, um, uh, whether, you know, when he's moving the most, whether it's high or low or, or on, the, on the rise or the fall. And it, so it's really different. Um, or you can just do them all. Uh, I like to do it all personally. I just do predict the buck with, with everything and you do a 10-day forecast out 10 days and say when was the best conditions based off of, you know, the wind direction, moon phase, uh, barometric pressure, um, wind direction, uh, when that buck's going to move. But it's really based on personal preference. So you can use this with, so like if I've got a pile of trail camera pictures from last year, let's say, uh, Am I able to use all those pictures with the software? I can just dump them all in there, uh, even though it wasn't with a Wiseye camera. Yes, you can. If you have an account with uh, Hunt Control, you can have a. You can just have a regular account. You don't have to, to own one of our cameras. Uh, it just comes free with the camera. Um, but if you uh, wanted to purchase just Hunt Control, you can dump all your uh, photos, and it takes all the metadata off of the pictures. If it's got the correct date and time stamp on it, and pull all that mag- mega data, and uh, and you can you can uh, use predictive buck with old photos as well. And see, that was one thing that I found very interesting, especially at ATA, because the way I had heard about you guys as a company was through a, a listener who actually uh, sells your cameras uh, through his online store, and he had brought up the your, y'all's name uh, this was sometime last summer probably when he had uh, brought you guys up uh, to me and i was like okay uh, you know interesting but he didn't really explain anything in great detail for me and when harold we met at ata and you were talking about you know not only you know you have a camera system where the camera system 
and your hunt control uh, account kind of goes hand in hand. You can also just purchase the hunt control um, software or like a you know license to be able to use it. You, you have an account set up, and you can use other trail cameras like your standard trail camera. Plug your SD card in your computer and then upload it to uh, hunt control, and then it can kind of filter everything out with that data uh, from these other trail cameras, which I found very interesting. And also, you know, from a uh, a financial aspect, it's kind of interesting because hey, if I'm on public land. You know, maybe I want to run, you know, 35 Tasco cameras for $29. Uh, and as long as they take a decent image or whatever, something that the AI could use, I'll be able to use that in conjunctions with a couple cameras as well from you guys uh, and be able to cover a lot of ground. And then also, to be honest, if someone stole one of those $29 cameras, uh, the SD card might cost more than the actual camera. <laughs> so um, that, that, that is, that is a, a, an aspect there that I find very interesting is just you can use uh, you know, other trail camera, the SD cards, upload to your computer and plug that into the hunt control system and really be able to kind of filter everything out through, especially if you're trying to cover a lot of ground on a property. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we have a lot of customers that has, that run, uh, you know, our cameras along with um, non-cellular cameras and they still pull cards and they upload um, those cameras to hunt control and, and do the same thing on their property. And again, the way I look at it is like we had just finished up with our series with uh, Shane Parker and Paul Patera uh, from the last couple of weeks talking about what Shane's been doing on his own, which is literally what he's been trying to do with 170 cameras and putting these weather stations out is like a, a small part of kind of what's being done with Hunt Control, but Hunt Control is doing it for you, taking all that man work and all those hours and time out of the equation where it does all this stuff automatically for you. Uh, you know, it's trying to figure out with um, with uh, Predictabuck what patterns are any or what patterns are being uh, seen uh, on that trail camera at that location that can better you know put yourself in the right position in order to go in there and capitalize on that target buck that you may be chasing. Um, so I find that extremely interesting and very valuable. I feel like for a lot of guys, if you're wanting something to kind of help you. Um, maybe learn a little bit more about what the deer are doing. Like you said, like you've had customers that would have swore to you that deer only came into a certain location where that camera was at on say an East wind. And so happens that target buck was not doing what all the other deer were doing. Um, and it's stuff like that, which right. I feel like could kind of open a lot of people's eyes as in what hunt control can do. And, and I'm the kind of person, like I find this stuff very fascinating, whether somebody wanted to use your services or not, that's on them. But I just find companies like you guys, or make it very fascinating for us, especially like me and Andrew here, to be able to figure out how to learn more about truly how different some of these deer can be because they're not all doing the exact same thing. And the cool thing about Predictabuck, you know, we've talked about on the podcast many a times with a lot of our guests who do a lot of trail cam work, each buck has their own personality and they kind of do their own thing. Not, not every buck will be doing the same thing, especially based off age class. They all do stuff a little bit different. And it's like, uh, on the hunt control side and predict the buck, be able to tag at one individual deer and figure out what that one buck is doing consistently to kind of help you have a better chance of going out there and target them. I find it's very, very fascinating. One thing we have found out, I mean, one thing that we have really seen over the last two years, uh, the difference between using a cell camera and a non-cell camera is, is human intrusion on a, on a, on an alpha male does disturb him more than you think. Um, uh, we can watch these deer 
and we can see when someone tries to go in and, and hunt that deer, even though he may not have seen him, that deer knows there was somebody there. And so um, I see a lot of uh, people going to more cell cameras instead of going full cards just for that reason. We, we can watch these deer and see how they move. And um, believe it or not, pulling cards, I'm not going to tell you what to do, but pulling cards in an area you're trying to hunt an alpha buck will affect it. And we see that. We can watch it. We look at the data. And that was one thing that we really kind of, kind of, we had to sit up in the chair going, well, that's interesting. Um, that, that deer is that smart and that intelligent to know that something's not right. And uh, we can see that because we can see when he, when he, when he comes back versus his typical pattern. Um, so uh, it's been very interesting. We, we see the same thing with hogs. If a hog goes through a food plot, it will mess, he, the alpha deer will seem to stay away for at least eight to 10 hours before he comes into the food plot, um, after a sounder of hogs has been in. So I mean, we see this data that's really interesting on our side, um, especially when we see people walk across the food plot, and then we can watch the camera and see how long it takes the deer to get there. Those come back. Your trophy bug doesn't come in there very often. And it's, it's, it's so funny how nature has trained this alpha male to be that leery. And it's been fascinating to watch the data and see that. And uh, you know, that's what we have really enjoyed um, uh, is trying to figure him out. We've been trying to do that for, I still, <laughs> but you know, the biggest deer I've killed probably wouldn't have scored a 120. So I haven't figured it out either. Um, uh, so, uh, I haven't got that 200 buck, uh, point buck yet either. So, um, nothing's ever perfect, but with the data cam and the predictor buck, we can get you pretty close to, um, uh, harvesting that, that, that deer that you've been looking for. Now let's get more into the predictor buck because I, this is something that I find very interesting, um, is how once you're building... Uh, you know, you have your tags on individual bucks and you're kind of building profiles on maybe a couple different target bucks um, that the predictive buck, not only, and again, Harold and Darryl, both of y'all tell me if I'm wrong here. It won't only, it doesn't only just tell you for individual deer kind of what based off the different scenarios and different, you know, uh, environmental factors for the next, you know, seven, 10 days, what might be your highest odds of success day to go out there, but also, which camera location is just getting the most amount of sign during certain windows of, of time throughout the day. So not only like you can focus on just a specific buck, but also you can just see, you know, what camera location or what area do you want to hunt based off the most deer sign possible uh, in that general area, especially I guess if you're taking a kid or somebody else that just wants to shoot a deer. Oh yeah, absolutely. You, you can sort, predict a buck will sort, um, you can sort your pictures by, um, by, by, by deer stain. You know, by stands, by food plots, however you got them uh, labeled. Um, so by camera, you know, camera location. And and you can see how the deer moving. You can see the number of deer moving. You can see that target buck, how, how many times he's visited that camera. And, uh, and, and then you can, I mean, there's a best time button. You just touch the best time button and it'll compile 
all this data together with just one click of a button and tell you which stand and which time you need to hunt that hunt that location. So, I mean, predict the buck is, I mean, you can just narrow that thing down as, as tight as you want. It, which is, again, just super fascinating, especially when you're talking about maybe someone's got uh, not a whole bunch of time to be in the woods. This is a way that they can kind of monitor, especially their own private land or hunting club or lease, uh, and have an idea of, you know, based off which location they may want to go spend the most amount of time hunting or just go try it out. Um, also, before actually, before we get more into the predicted buck, because I got some more questions on it, I just thought about something. Again, I'm still on the website kind of looking at everything under the hunt control tab. And back when we're talking about hunt control, we'll work with like other SD cards that are coming out of other cameras. Like it doesn't have to be a wise eye camera. Is there anything that is put in when someone like uploads one of those SD cards from a specific camera? Do they can they put in like geolocation or um, uh, what's uh, coordinates? Uh, can can someone put in like the coordinates as well of where that camera was located for more accurate uh, weather data to be pulled? Or how does that work? Because I just thought about that and I, I'm curious on, on sure. what's done. Well, if you got let's say you got one of your little twenty nine dollar uh, cam. And you pull it, you've got 2,000 pictures on it, and you would like to upload it into Hunt Control so it can do all the sorting and stuff. First thing you do is you would, you know, pull up Hunt Control, and let's say you created a camera. We'll call it, you know, Creek Camera Number 1, okay? Is that what you want to call the camera? Next thing it asks you kind of, where's the camera at? And it pulls up Google Maps. <laughs> where's the camera supposed to be? And you just drop a pin. You can actually zoom in on the tree if you want to and tell me exactly where you're at. And now as the pictures upload, there's, there's, there's data on the card that you don't normally see. So when the camera takes a picture, it actually stamps the actual file itself that you, you don't really see. Um, and inside, that, inside the uh, data, inside that uh, picture, uh, there are things like the time, uh, the date, this kind of stuff that's hard-coded in there. So what we do is we actually grab that time and date. We look on your map and go, okay, creek number one is actually here. And, you know, just two miles north of Athens, Georgia. So we have a license. In, so we'll call uh, uh, Noah and say, okay, on September 13th, of 2020, what was the weather like two miles north of Athens, Georgia? And we get it. So we actually can go back, I think, seven years, I think, on cards um, uh, to pull accurate weather data and location. And so um, it's just that simple. And then so once those 2,000 pictures get uploaded, predict the buck is ready to go. What do you want to know? You know, it's just that simple. What button do you want to pick? That's super fascinating. That's a absolutely fascinating, um, especially going back up to seven years of data. Uh, you know, for any of these guys that are, you know, hardcore into trail cameras, running a lot of trail cameras, and trying to do all this stuff on their own that has years of trail camera history, uh, whether it's with individual bucks or just different locations, they can upload all that information, and then automatically the system's going to automatically kind of show you you know, those patterns, the different conditions and everything, so you can quickly learn and analyze exactly what's happening um, and maybe certain things you need to key on for this coming season. So that, that is super, super interesting there. Um, also, you know, when it kind of gets yeah. back... Go ahead. 
Oh no, I was gonna say, did you have uh, any input on that? Talking about uh, just again on the uh, the trail camera aspect. Yeah, we actually had we actually did a test on that. We actually had a guy uploaded. We uploaded six thousand pictures. He kind of challenged us to a test, and uh, he has a television show. We just let it go at that. We uploaded six thousand pictures, or we let him upload them. Um, uh, he had killed four bucks on film that year. We didn't know exactly when, but three of the four bucks that he killed, we actually told him 90% of the conditions that he would have killed him in. And uh, the fourth buck scared him because we told him within two days of when he, when he was going to kill him. Pull, we pulled it off of his card. So we were able to go back and say, this is all the conditions that that deer was going to move. And, uh, um, and when I asked him about the fourth deer, I said, did you kill him in December? And he said, yes. And I said, here's the days you killed him. Because this is the conditions that he only moved in, and he looked at me kind of like, "Geez, <laughs> you know, we made a we made a believer out of him." Um, because deer are very predictable. I, I'm finding out that if you if you leave them alone and you don't mess with them, they're very predictable. They get very comfortable. If they uh, they come into a food plot and the west wind's there, and nothing spooks them. They're comfortable. They'll come on a west wind until something changes. And um, uh, that's where this data comes in. Because uh, it's little things like that, that. I've hunted all my life, and there's little things like this that I'm learning after hunting for you know 50 years that I was not aware of. If you think you know everything. But these deer are always proving us they're usually one step ahead of us in the woods. I don't know if you know that or not, but they're usually one step ahead of it. And th- see, that's this the fascinating aspect about this software and AI and everything is just the application for it. Um, you know, whether or not somebody wants to use this, again, that's completely on them. But I just, again, it's fascinating, especially if you have a little piece of private land that you're hunting uh, or a large piece of private land, especially a private land here, um, just how this data can be used. Because I'm looking at it from the aspect of, you know, having, if you have a bait station, a food plot, some fairly small area that the deer are going to be congregating at, a watering hole, something that you can use for the data collection uh, for one of these cameras or just for a camera site, you know, makes a lot of sense. But also, it makes me wonder, you know, if there can be patterns that can be built when you're having trail cameras ran on scrapes or on travel corridors or around funnels, tight funnels like in hill country. And again, what could be learned there through this data uh, and through the software that can then give you a better leg up on hunting that kind of information? Because I think, at least from, I know a lot of your guys in Texas, a lot of those are going to be ran on bait stations for sure, but it'd be very interesting to see, you know, how that works for guys in areas maybe they can't bait and are maybe using it on, again, like scrapes. I would find it very interesting on building patterns for uses of scrapes, especially during daylight hours. I think that would be very fascinating to look at. One thing that we found fascinating this year is we've watched a lot because we, we see all this data from all over the country. And we could watch a cold front come across the United States and we could see the activities, the way it affected deer on the front uh, uh, before and after, which was fascinating to see how deer reacted depending on how wet the front was or how cold the front was, how deer would react 
to the drop in barometric pressure. So it was really fascinating. So you know, the more data we get, the more we are, we're able to help you. And so little things like that, we're finding that just fascinating to know that a dry front comes through, doesn't affect the deer as much as a wet front comes through. Um, and temperature drops, this kind of stuff, snowfall, it's, it's, it just blows us away that, um, that we're able to see that now and see how that protects deer at your stand, not somebody's idea. I mean, I had a nap the other, I had a nap two years ago that told me that the rut was on. Well, I live in southern Louisiana. The rut don't start here till December and January. And it was October the 10th, and I was told to get to the stand the rut was on. Uh, because it was an app, somebody's idea. It was, a, you know, I'm, look, it's, mosquitoes are so bad around here, we're not going to the stand in October. <laughs> it's still 100 degrees here. But I, but I was told on my app that it was time to go to the woods because the rut was on. It was kind of scratching my head going, I don't know who's paying for this app, but I don't, I don't know if that's totally just because he says it's on, it's not necessarily the case. So that's why we, we kind of built Wise Eye is for you to predict your animals in your location um, and not use somebody else's data. And by the way, uh, I was going to say you're kind of you're speaking a little bit of our love language here, which is uh, data <laughs> and uh, and talking like some of the fascinating a- aspects of what you've learned when all that data comes in, talking about like the different fronts and everything. Uh, that's super fascinating. Like to be honest, that's some stuff. Like we got in recently last year or two into pulling data from GPS studies done on both public and private land, uh, non high fence private land like uh, hunting clubs, and look at those GPS coordinates and how those deer at different points of the day throughout different points of the season would change location and also how these bucks would move around, which is fascinating, but also kind of looking at it from when fronts came through and look at, again, the movement on the beginning of the front, middle of the front, and then post front and kind of what that, you know, range of that day looked like uh, from him traveling. Uh, just real quick, because you just brought this up, talking about, you know, looking as one of these cold fronts coming across the country and how that data comes in, you know, pre-front, during the front, and post-front. And you mentioned that it seems like a wet front, cold front coming through would get more deer moving than a dry cold front. Is that correct? And and what's some of the, what are some of those other data points that's just really kind of fascinating? Well, one, one thing we saw is, is that um, a wet front, and when I mean the wet front, it's got a lot of rain in it. Um, of course, we see that here in the south more than, than they do in the north, but uh, around the Alabama, Georgia, Florida, uh, uh, I'm talking about the northern Florida, not the, not the Tampa area, but in the northern Tallahassee area, uh, deer seem to move, believe it or not, more after the front than they did before the front got there. They actually, uh, probably 12 hours before the front came through, sat down. And you can see the across that part of the country that the deer did not move very much 10 to 12 hours before the front got there, um, which is fascinating to us. Um, uh, they tend to um, move after. Um, uh, the rain came through, they would get up and move. Um, but before the front got there. Now, when you go further north when it comes to snow, um, the deer it didn't seem to bother the deer very much because uh, they would move about the same for a front. But once it turned to rain and coming through, the deer seemed to sit down 
or lay down anticipating the front coming and would wait till afterwards before they would do most of their traveling. Interesting. Yeah, no, that, that is fascinating. It was very, so- fasc- very fascinating. And that's, what, that's what's good about this, the wise eye system is that you will know your own deer and how they, that's what this forecast is for. You know the front's coming. You will know, because uh, we'll tell you 17 days out there, the front's coming. We see it coming. And uh, this is the pattern that your deer are accustomed to. This is when you need to be in this particular sand. Sand Creek Bottom is where you got to be when the front moves through. This is where they're going to be at. And that's what this predictor buck is based on. Absolutely. And that, that kind of gets back to where I'm going to be interested in uh, kind of testing out some of y'all's, uh, or testing out the predictor buck, but also the hunt control uh, system from you guys is on our family farm. Uh, where we can bait at and stuff and, and running not only there's already pre-existing cameras in these locations but also running some other cameras in, in other locations off some of these individual bucks that come in there and seeing based off you know last few years of camera history what it what is it pulling for some of these specific bucks that we have two and three years of, of uh, history on uh, that monk's got photos of and I'd be very interested in seeing it what conditions and, and time of year and day of the uh, day of the months uh, that it kind of pulls up uh, from the past that, you know, are conditions that these deer were truly moving in. Uh, because I find it interesting because we, we've gone down there and kind of like your guy, uh, you're talking about in Texas, where he swore they only came in on the east wind. It's like down there, you know, a, a northwest wind always seems like you get deer moving. But for some reason, it's like you might see a huge spike of activity uh, that first day it switches back to like a southeast for whatever reason. And I'd love to see like what that software kind of shows based off that data uh, from the last few years from down there. That'd be interesting. I'd, I'd love to. I'd love to, uh, to to help you look at it and then see what you what we can come up with. Yeah, that would be that would be very fascinating. Absolutely, and that's another cool or interesting aspect about this is you're truly like you said you're learning the deer and how they're moving on your own property. It's not taking predictions from other places of the country. It's truly what's happening in your property exclusively. It doesn't care about what your neighbor's doing. It's caring about what is showing up on your cameras, on your place, and uh, and, and kind of putting it together, uh, which is awesome. Because I know exactly what you're talking about with that app that you had a couple years ago. And, you know, they were pulling a lot of their data from the Midwest. And it was, you know, I had a lot of people saying that. I lived down in the southeast, like, hey, there are ruts not until mid-December, early January. And it's saying, yeah, you know, you should be in the stand and it's October 27th or something. You know, the rut's on. And I'm like, oh, it's a couple months off, my man. A couple yeah, months two off. Two months off. I thought, I thought you know. Uh, yeah, two months off. I, I saw another one yesterday that said that they had a bunch of collared deer in Missouri and they could predict deer movement. I'm going, you predict the deer movement on the collared deer in Missouri, <laughs> but, but not down here in Louisiana or, or Texas, you know. Um, so th- there's a lot of people who are trying to get into the data side. I mean, it's, that's just that's just the way it's going to go. Um, but uh your best bet is to worry about your data and your deer, not somebody else's interpretation of some of their data and saying that it should relate to you. Uh, I want my data. I want to know what my deer are doing because that's the ones I put in the freezer, not their deer. Well, uh, guys, they kind of get to a point uh, of getting to a point to almost wrapping up here. Again, this has been a fascinating conversation, but, if people are, of course, interested in, in 
you know, learning more about Wise Eye. I know y'all have the your website, which is wiseeyetech.com, which I'm on there actually right now as we're having this conversation. But if guys are looking at your cameras, one thing I noticed about y'all's cameras, I don't know if pricing's changed since, you know, you know, this year, if anything's changed, but I know, Harold, when we were at ATA talking pricing, y'all's cameras aren't, you know, for what you're getting software-wise in the AI, it's not, like, priced as high as I thought it could potentially be. I'd be 100% honest. Um, when it comes to y'all's two cameras, can y'all explain just the differences between both uh, camera options and also price range there uh, for individuals that might be looking to potentially purchase some cameras in the off-season this summer? Yeah, sure. Um the two cameras we have, one's a dual antenna and one's a single, and uh, we call it the Mini. Um, first of all, I want to make sure that, that people understand that, that we're not a camera company. We're a, we're a uh, technology company, and it's a data cam. It's not a trail cam. So that, that, that's what sets us apart from other cameras. Um, it's, you know, we call it the Wi-Fi data cam, not trail cam, because that's what we're doing here is data. And, and the difference between the two cameras is the dual antenna has a built-in GPS. And what that does when you turn the camera on, it zeroes in on your location for your accurate weather. It also will help with theft if somebody was to steal it, um, you know, and, and, and went to use it, we could track them. But, um, and the Mini does not have a built-in GPS. Uh, the dual camera, uh, the dual antenna camera does the uh, uh, video uh, capabilities uh, where the mini does not uh, and the dual antenna camera does burst mode where the mini does not. Later this year we have some things coming before hunting season is here. The mini is going to ha uh, have a three burst mode and an HD option plus a instant take a pick if you want to take a pick right now to see what's going on. So we've got a lot of great things coming out with the mini camera. Um, it's a very good, powerful camera. works very well. The picture quality is awesome. But the difference between the two price-wise is $100. Um, the uh, dual antenna retails for $299, and the mini retails for $199. Yeah, absolutely. So, again, you know, very reasonably priced. I remember back, uh, God, I'm trying to think. I don't want to guess the year. Uh, but when I first when I saw my first cell camera, and they were over five hundred dollars for the first mm, one, it's like six hundred fifty. Yeah, and it's like now it's like everything's kind of come down, and I'm like, okay, cool. So not only do you like you like a super high quality camera, uh, like you know image capabilities, but also you get you know the hunt control and everything with it as well, kind of go hand in hand. Um, so yeah, that was one thing I noticed at ATA because I was fully expecting before when Harold when we were talking with you and we were looking at the cameras. Before you told us pricing, because I don't think they were sending pricing on it, of course, because, you know, ATA is you know, this, it's not a consumer show. Um, but uh, I was fully expecting the main camera to be over $400, uh, you know, very easily. Uh, and, you know, y'all said like $299. I was like, oh, wow. Okay. This is, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying, you know, if I'm running on public land, I'm going to have eight, 10 of those suckers running. But, I get a, <laughs> you know, you got a, a nice piece of private land that you're going to run. Uh, that's very reasonable compared to, again, I remember a lot of those other early cameras being over $500 back then that didn't have any of this software. And then also didn't even have the, uh, the quality of the images, uh, that are capable of now, which by the way, real quick, uh, with the dual, uh, the, the dual, uh, antenna camera, just your smart cam. Um, is that when it, you're talking about the video, it's video capable. Does that also, when it sends you notifications, um, 
you know, send you notifications for both video or photo. That's something you can go pull up on the app and you can go and check those out automatically. Or is that something that you have to go back to your computer to be able to watch those? No, you can pull it up on your app as well. It'll notify you and it sorts videos as well, not just pictures. I think right now we're the only company that, that will sort your video for you. So if it's a turkey or deer and it, we'll put it in the deer folder, uh, pull the data, just like of a picture, but we'll actually send you a notification, hey, you have a deer video. Perfect. No, that, that's super fascinating. Like you said, you know, just from the, the data collection st- uh, standpoint, you kind of go through there and it's kind of organized for you. You can kind of go through and, you know, if you need to move into a certain tag, you can very easily. Uh, well, guys, before we completely wrap up here, is there any last thing that we haven't mentioned that's worth mentioning from you guys uh, as a way for, again, listeners to kind of get a better idea of kind of, you know, who Wise Eye is, but also if they're interested in, in looking at anything, especially the hunt control uh, software and system later this summer? One thing I just want to want to mention is that we do have probably the best camera on the market. There's there's no doubt. If you look at the pictures that we send to your phone, there's no comparison. One thing that we want the public to understand is that we consider ourselves a probably a the best family company you'll ever deal with. If you call here with a question, customer service. Daryl, I'll answer the phone. Even though we're both owners of the company, if you have a problem with your with your camera, you call us. We answer the phone on Saturday and Sunday. We had a guy the other day called us during church. Uh, we texted him back, said, "Hey, give us about thirty minutes. The sermon's not over yet," and he was shocked um, that we even answered on Sunday. But that's what we do. I mean, you spend a lot of good money on cameras, and it, and you're having problems with it. You would like to talk to somebody, and so you're you're going to talk to our family. You're going to talk to Daryl. You're going to talk to myself. You're going to talk to Daryl's son, my brother-in-law, my daughter, my sister. Somebody's going to talk to you when you call and have a problem. So we're not going to shove you off somewhere else. That's what we pride ourselves in here: is the customer service behind the camera here, um, and we like to have fun. Hunting is fun, and that's what we are focused on here is one we're 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 a very strong christian family we're going to treat you right if you have a problem we're going to fix it if you have an issue we're going to talk to you about it but we're going to have fun that's what that's what wise is about absolutely well uh harold and daryl we again appreciate y'all coming on and kind of sharing you know, what is WiseEye and a little bit more about the the software aspect. I'm very interested in, in again, using especially hunt control uh, for later this summer into the fall. Kind of looking at, again, old photos that we've got of, uh, you know, just from the last couple of years, but also for, you know, new systems as well and kind of seeing what can be learned. Because that's something that we, you know, really get excited about. Uh, anytime we can learn something, whether it's a, a new study that just came out through one of the universities based off uh, GPS collar data, uh, or like what we just had on with uh, Shane Parker from Alabama, you know his personal study that he did with 170 trail cameras and weather stations and kind of just what he learned from that about deer movements on that little piece of public land that he was hunting. So all that stuff is very, very fascinating. Right. If you're, again, if you're a person that's truly wanting to learn, uh, this is a really interesting uh, aspect of uh, you know what can be learned in the whitetail woods, what you can put together, and to see, hey, is, there, is you know some of these patterns that you thought 
you know, were the case that, hey, you know, like you mentioned with the one guy, you know, deer only move that area on the east wind, you know, this can very quickly show, you know, is that true or maybe you're missing a part of the data uh, there from your own collection. So it's super, super interesting and uh, very excited to kind of see what else y'all have coming out with for the later on this year. But again, gentlemen, we appreciate y'all coming on here. And again, like I mentioned earlier, I guess somebody wants to go and check out, you know, what y'all have. Uh, when it comes to hunt control, but also the cameras, they can go to y'all's website, which is wiseeyetech.com, uh, and look at that information there. I know you guys are on social media as well for the company. But uh, thanks again, uh, both of y'all, for coming on here, and we appreciate y'all you know, talking a little bit about the company. Thank you, man. Yeah. We enjoyed it. Call us at any time. Uh, we love to talk hunting. Yeah, thank y'all. Thank you. You guys seem to really have enjoyed over the last year where we've went to a Q&A format every Thursday on the show where we answer some listener questions. Now, some of the most common ones that we get have to do with gear, but also how to find a good hunting buddy. You know, I'm really lucky to, to have a hunting buddy like Jacob. We've been on a lot of incredible hunting trips together over the years, and it's just nice to have somebody that, you know, is always down to go on that that trip that you've always wanted to go on or, or who'll wake up at three o'clock in the morning and go get that gate before someone else does on public land with you, whatever the case may be. And like I said, we get a lot of questions on how do you find, you know, a group of people who enjoy that same thing so you can kind of network and make some connections. The Mobile Hunters Expo is the place to do that. Y'all heard us talk about it last year. And guess what? This year it's happening in Dalton, Georgia. We're going to be there June 28th through the 30th. We're going to be there all three days. We're going to have a booth. You can come talk to us. We talked to a lot of you guys last year, had a ton of fun. So looking forward to that again. But guys, I'm telling you, this is the place to come network. And there's going to be a ton of you guys there. A lot of Southern Outdoorsman podcast listeners are going to be at this show. And actually, Friday, June 28th, there's going to be an after-hour social after the expo. So what better place to go kind of intermingle, hang out with a bunch of like-minded people, and probably pick up a couple new hunting buddies. So you guys don't miss it. It's June 28th through the 30th. I'm telling you, if you listen to this podcast, this is an event you need to be at. Now, we'll see you guys at the Mobile Hunters Expo June 28th through the 30th in Dalton, Georgia.